Welcome to this lesson. I really look forward to share this word with you today. This word is something I love speaking about. This is one of the most important words the church need to hear today. Because in this lesson, I'm talking about what Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus is giving his vision to the church. And what you're going to see in this lesson is that what we are doing and saying in the church today is almost opposite what Jesus have called us to. And if we again want to be fruitful, if we again want to bear fruit in our everyday life, we need to change the way we do things and we need to go back to what Jesus have called us to. And what you are going to see in this lesson is that it's much more simple, it's much more practical what Jesus has given us. And in Jesus' vision, there is room enough for everybody. In Jesus' vision, there is a platform for everybody to serve. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to study theology. You don't need that in Jesus' vision. In Jesus' vision, there is a platform for everybody. If you're new in the faith, if you're old in the faith, if you are a man or a woman, Jesus has given you a calling. And when you start to step out and do what Jesus has called you to, you are going to see amazing things. And it's not only going to change your life, it's going to change many people around you. So I really look forward to share this word with you today. God bless you. Welcome to the Pioneer School and welcome to this lesson. Today I'm going to speak about Luke 10 and what Jesus is saying in Luke 10. And this is what I've been waiting to speak about from the beginning of the Pioneer School. Because this is so important. In Luke 10, Jesus are giving us his vision for the church. He's showing us how he wants us to build, how he wants us to work. And Luke thing is so important. It had changed my life. And this is something I love to speak about every time I'm out. Because this is so important. And you're going to see this in this lesson. And I know that this is going to open your eyes in many ways. It's going to help you and create a platform in your life so you can see the kingdom of God grow. And this is what I've been saying from the beginning of the Pioneer School. We need more than theology. We need to act on it. We need to live this out. But many people don't have that platform. They don't know where and how they can live it out. But in Luke 10, Jesus is giving us a platform. Jesus is giving us a vision. A vision how we shall work. 
And this is for everybody. If you are young, if you are old, if you are man, or if you are woman. If you have studied theology, or if you have not. This is for everybody. And I want to make that clear, because in the churches today, there is not room for women to work. In the churches today, in many places, there is not room for people if they have not studied theology. But in the kingdom of God, there is room for everybody. The calling Jesus has given us is for everybody. If you are old in the faith or if you are new in the faith. If you are man, if you are woman, if you don't, if you have no education or if you have been studying theology. There is room for everybody. And Luke 10 is so important. Before I'm going to start and look at Luke 10, I want to share some testimony since last. Because I have been in America and, and I have some videos I encourage you to see. One of the videos we are going to uh, have made is a young guy we met out on the street. His name was Marcus. And he was on drugs or alcohol and he was standing shaking like this out on the street. He was a homeless guy. He didn't have a place to stay. But we took him in or the people we were together with took, took him in. We talked with him. He repented. He got baptized in water. And uh, I prayed for him before we went. And he got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Started to speak in tongues. And he is changed. His life is totally changed. And you're going to see that on the video. Another video we make was from LA, Los Angeles. Where we make a video like an everyday miracle life with Jesus. Where I talk about discipleship and show that we can make disciples in everyday life. And this is really strong what God did that day. And how this has just continued and continued. One of the things God did was I met an evangelist who had been going out a lot on the street evangelizing. And, and I met him and we sat talking, talking about bearing fruit. And I told him about what Jesus is saying, find the purse of peace and about healing the sick, baptizing people in water and the Holy Spirit. And some of the things I said was really new for him. He had been evangelized, he had done a lot of things, but the whole part of working the way I'm working, what Jesus is saying with baptism in water and the Holy Spirit was new. It was not something he had done. But there, when we sat there and talked, something happened. He saw it. And there I saw three girls behind him suddenly. And one of them walked with crosses. So I said, come with me. And we went there. I prayed for her. And she got healed. And she walked without crosses. And she was laid away with the crosses. She was healed. And he saw that. And there was another guy, a Kickstarter at the same time. And he saw that. And other people saw that. And it became really strong. Then we went home to a house where I met a guy, again, I would say a person of peace, a guy God had led to me. Because when I met that guy, I was like, whoa, the Holy Spirit has sent you here. He had repented, but he was not baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. So I sat there with the coffee table and discipled the other people and show how to preach the gospel. Like I do in Luke, uh, in lesson 7 and uh, 8. And I showed that how to preach the gospel. And then I prayed for this guy where everybody saw how I baptized people with the Holy Spirit. I, I hold his hand. I prayed. The Holy Spirit came over him. And he started speaking tongues. He was like, whoa, it just came out of me, he said. 
But after that, there was more people who need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I told some of the other, now you have seen how I do it, now you do it. And they did it and two more got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then we went to a beach where we baptized uh, five people in water. And it was really strong again because one The one who got baptized, he baptized the next one. And the next one who got baptized, baptized the next one. So after they got baptized, already there, they baptized the next one. Why? Because it's all about discipleship. And this evangelist who was together with us and the other, they saw that. They saw the power of God that day. They saw how we did it. And that evangelist just today had put a text on Facebook, and I want to read this because this is what God is doing. When we do what we are supposed to do, God do the rest. If we make disciples, we can see a lot of things happen. And this he wrote yet in today, after we have went home. He wrote, I would never have believed this if I have not witnessed it. The most demonic person I have ever known in which me and my deliverance team have worked with over 30 times. And the the, the demon still attacks his body with manifestation all the time. His mother was killed in front of him when he was three years old. And uh, he had schizophrenia. And I've never had a normal conversation with him. He's hearing voices all the time. So he's saying that. And then we were almost at the end of this. So they were giving up. But after talking to Torben Sønergaard about the importance in baptism water, I decided to give it a try. So this person, because this person had confessed Jesus as Lord many times, and he, but he had never been baptized on his own faith as a Christian. He was baptized as a child in the Catholic Church. And when he came out of the water, something amazing had happened. He became normal. He said that he had never had that kind of peace before. He was laughing and smiling and free from attack. We had a normal conversation with him like anybody else. And before he spoke in tongues, but nothing had changed. But when he got baptized in water, he was free. It's shocking to see a schizophrenia turn and be normal after 24 years of torture in few seconds. And he continued there afterwards to went to McDonald's to celebrate. This is what God is doing. And, and, and I encourage you to see the video we make for Melee. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. I have a friend with me and he made it this time. And, and this video, you see it. You see how we train. You see how this guy, the other guy got baptized with the Holy Spirit. How he got baptized in water. The day after I kickstart him, where he shared testimony on the video, how he had prayed for the first people who got healed. But this is continuing. And this is what I want you to know. When we Make disciples, it continue after we have left. And when I'm out, I, I don't see the fruits. I don't look at the fruits only when I'm out there. I look at the fruits what happened when I'm gone again. Because it's all about discipleship. And when a guy like this, who have been evangelizing many years, 
learn something new and start to act on it and see how the power of God is working, then it's going to bear a lot of fruit. And I know now from today on, he is going to preach the gospel with baptism. He to, from today on, he's going to see many people baptized, delivered, set free through that, and make disciples. Because this is what God is doing all over the world. But I could share a lot of testimony from uh, what happened in America. And I think we have four videos that's going to come out. And I encourage you, go on the website, The Last Reformation, see the videos, see what God is doing. Last time I spoke about the system. I spoke about uh, the system of building, staff, program and budget. And how we can do church without those things. How those things can be a hindrance to be the church God has called us to be. And the most simple of church is love God, love your neighbor, make disciples. This is what Jesus has called us to. And then... Um, the problem with this box is that in a short while you're going to see what Jesus is saying in Luke 10. And what Jesus is saying in Luke 10, we cannot do inside the box. If we want to obey Jesus, we need to come out of the box. We need to come out of the church system. They came in with the Catholic Church and have not almost not been changed through the history. If we want to obey Jesus... We need to change the way we do church. And this is what we, want. we, we ask, have to ask ourselves. Do we want to build on our church traditions? Do we want to do what we have always done? Or do we want to obey Jesus? Do we want to do what he has called us to? And the problem also with this box is that in a box like this, a normal Sunday, there is only 10% who is active, 30% who are frustrated, and many people is dying spiritually. Why? Because they, are not, they don't have a platform where they can get used. They cannot get used by God. They are sitting passive and watching other people do something. But in Jesus' vision, in what Jesus has called us to, then there is room enough for everybody. I want to start reading what Jesus is saying in Matthew. Jesus is saying, All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore go make disciples of all nations. And he's talking about baptizing them. And I've been speaking about that before, about repentance, baptism, water and Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And I'm surely with you to the end of the age. This calling is a calling not only given to a pastor in a church. This is a calling given to you and me. Jesus is saying to you, you need to go make disciples. You need to do it. It's not enough you are in a church where some other people do it. You need to go and make disciples. You need to baptize them. This is what he's saying. So it's not not enough that we only get baptized, we need to baptize other people. It's not enough that we only repent, but we need to help other people to repent. It's not enough that we not only, only need to receive the Holy Spirit. No, we need to pray for other people to receive the Holy Spirit. It's not only enough that we do the things. No, we are called to make disciples. 
So a disciple is somebody who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. A disciple is somebody who follow Jesus' teaching and teaching other people to follow Jesus' teaching, who teach other people to follow Jesus' teaching, and so on and so on and so on. And it's so important to understand that everybody is called. If you are man, if you are woman, if you are young, if you are old, everybody is Call to do ministry. And therefore it's so important to look at what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus' calling includes everybody. Jesus' calling is not only a body where 5% or 10% is working. Jesus' body is where everybody is working. Everybody have a platform in their everyday life where they can do it. And it's not only for evangelists. It's not only for prophets. It's not only for apostles who do that. No, it's for everybody. As soon as you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I send now you. Go out, make disciples. But he has said more to us than what he's saying in Matthew 28, as I just read. He has given us details how he wants us to work. And you have to understand, when Jesus said that in Matthew 28 to his disciples, go out, make disciples. They didn't went out and thought the way we are thinking today. Okay, let's have a church building. Let's have 300 members. This is our goal. Have a gospel choir. Have a Sunday school. And let's come together every Sunday and do church. No. When he told them to go out and make disciples, they knew exactly how they should work. Why? Because Jesus had been together with them three years and he had told them how he wanted them to do it. And you don't find in the Bible a vision where it's talking about a church Sunday meeting, 300 members, do the way we do it. No. But Jesus have also not just said, go out and make disciples. No, he had very specific said, go out, do like this, do like this, do it like this, do it like this. And when we do the things we are supposed to do, God come and do what he's supposed to do. And this is the problem in the church today. We want God to come and bless our vision, bless what we are doing, instead of we just stop what we are doing and doing what he's already blessing. Because if we do what he's already blessing, a lot of things is going to happen. And I believe this is so important. So today I'm going to speak about Luke 10. I'm going to go through Luke 10 and what Jesus is saying there. But before I want to pray, because this is so important, so important that God opened our eyes to take, you know, the religious glasses of us. And I said last time, if there is an area where we have religious glasses on, then it has to do with our church setting the way we do church. Because Book of Acts so different. The Catholic Church, we got the system. We got the priesthood the way we have it. We got Sunday meeting um, the way we have it. We got the program the way we have it. And the Lutheran Church of Reformation, only a small change here and there. And it has been like that through the church history. And I believe the last reformation have to do with the system. Had to do with putting everything together. 
And I tell about my journey in the book, The Last Reformation, Back to New Testament Model of Discipleship. And I encourage you to take that book, take this book and read it because there I focus more on our journey in this and more about the system. Today I'm going to focus more on how to work when we are free from the system, how to do it. But I will start to pray. God, I thank you for everything you're doing. God, I thank you for amazing testimonies from America and what you did there, God. Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today and forever, Jesus. And you have called us to go out, make disciples. And then you have said that you want to build your church. Jesus, come with your Holy Spirit. Come and open our eyes. Come and open our ears. Help people to receive this message today. Help us to understand what you have called us to so we can obey you in every detail in the name of Jesus. Amen. Luke 10 is starting this way. After that, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two and two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So Jesus called 72 and sent them two and two to every town and place he wanted to go. I want to start to say that some translation have 70 instead of 72. And the right, the correct is 70. And in one of our Danish Bible, we have a word where it explains why 70 and not 72. And I read here, some manuscripts are talking about 72 disciples, but the correct number is 70. As this is the symbolic number of all foreign nations. When Jesus sent the 70 out, it was after he had sent the 12. The 12 symbolized that the message was first given to the Jews and then the 17 symbolized that it was afterwards given to the all nations. So this is why Jesus started to send out 12 and later send out 70. The 12 was because the Bible says to the Jews first and the 17 was then to the rest of the nations. The Jews first and then the rest. And this is why the, the biggest difference there is in what Jesus is saying when he's talking about the 12 and what he's saying to the 70 is when he sent out the 12, he said to them, do not go to the Gentiles. No, when he sent the 70 out and the 12 out, they were only going to get sent to the Jews. But when he sent the 70 out, it was to everybody. It was to you and me today. Okay, in Luke 10, he sent them out two and two. And I believe it's important to go two and two or two or three together. It's important. Why? Because then we have to do with discipleship. When I'm doing something alone, I can do something. But when I have somebody with me who's new in their faith or who need to learn, when we are two, I train that person at the same time. So I make disciples. And I believe this is a good reason for us to work two and two. But I want to say that it should not be an excuse. I met people who say, I don't go out because I don't have anybody to go with. But we have to understand that we are never alone. We have the Holy Spirit with us. Jesus is with us. So we are never alone. When 
Those disciples were sent out. It was before Pentecost. It was before the Holy Spirit came on earth. So today, when we are out, we are not alone. The Holy Spirit is walking with us. Like Philip. Philip, he was somehow alone, but he was not alone. But in the book of, in book of Acts chapter 8, you can read how God sent Philip out alone. But he was not alone. The Holy Spirit was with him. So Philip was in somehow alone, but he was not alone. So I want to say that we, it's not an excuse to don't go because we don't have anybody to go with. But it's important. I think it's good if we have somebody to go with. Because then we can go and make this cyber at the same time. But now we are going to continue and go words for words through what Jesus is saying in Luke 10. And we are going to look at what Jesus says there. And then we are going to look at what we in the church is saying today. Because when we put it up beside each other, it's so much easier to see how far we have come away from this. So, it makes it so much clear what Jesus is saying and how this is opposite to much of what we are doing today. So what I have here is Jesus says. So here I'm going to put up what Jesus says. And here I have we say. So we're going to look at this. The first thing Jesus is saying now is he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So the harvest is plentiful. But what I've written here is that the harvest is plentiful and rip. If you don't know that word, it means that the harvest is ready for harvest. So the harvest is plentiful and the harvest is ripped. The harvest is ready for harvest. And the reason I not only wrote that the harvest is plentiful, but also that it's ready for harvest, because this is what Jesus is teaching us in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, you read that Jesus came to Samaria, and there he met a woman at a well who was taking some water, a Samarian woman. And Jesus went to her and talked with him, her. And normally a Jew don't talk to, to Samarian. But he went there and talked to that woman because Jesus didn't only see what was outside. He didn't only see a woman from Samaria. No, he see a harvest that was ready. So he went and talked to this woman. And it ended up with that this woman came to faith in Jesus because of his words. Not only that woman came to faith, that woman went around and talked about Jesus, so the whole area came to faith. And this was somehow the first place we saw revival after Pentecost, because Philip later came to Samaria and there he saw the big revival. And all of that happened some time before when Jesus met that woman. So she was a personal piece I'm going to talk about later. She was an important woman for the revival in Samaria. But when Jesus spoke to her, something happened. And when Jesus' disciples came later, he taught them something and you and me something important. He said to them, don't say there is four months to harvest. Open your eyes. Look, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ripped. The harvest is ready for harvest. 
And it's so important what Jesus is saying there. Because Jesus is teaching his disciples and you and me that the harvest is ready. The harvest is not only plentiful, but the harvest is ready. It's ready for harvest. We shall not go and say that there is four months or five years or ten years or maybe longer before the harvest is ready. No, the harvest is ready now. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is that our eyes is closed. And this is what Jesus is saying. Open your eyes. Look, the harvest is ready. If Jesus had not been there with his disciples, and his disciples had been there alone, and they have seen that woman, they will see somebody, and they will think, not open, the harvest is not ready. And because they have seen that, they have not gathered in the harvest the way Jesus did it. And I want to tell you, it's so important how we view the harvest. If you view the harvest as small, unready to harvest, this is what you're going to reap. Because if you think people are close for the gospel, if you if somehow do that you don't preach in faith and expect people to get saved. And if you don't expect people to get saved, they're not going to repent and get saved. But when you start to get your eyes open to see that the harvest is ready, you're going to, it's going to change the way you act. It's going to change the way you preach the gospel. It's going to change everything you're doing. And because of that, you are going to see a big harvest. And this is so important. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful and ripe. But what do we say today? The harvest is tiny and unripped. Oh, the harvest is so tiny. The harvest is unripped. The harvest is not ready. No, 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 no. This is so hard in our town. It cannot happen in our town. And do you know what we are doing there? We are cursing the harvest. We are speaking ourselves blind. By our words, we are speaking ourselves blind. So we don't see the truth. And I can say, share testimony how important this is. Short time ago, there was a team I know from Norway who went to Poland to do some mission. And they were going to a city there, and all the pastors and priests, the pastors and, and, and ministries, were saying that, whoa, that city are so close. Whoa, that city where this is a hard place. Nothing is going to happen there. No, this is really tough, tough, tough area. The harvest there is very small, it's tiny, it's almost not there, and it's not ready. The harvest is not ready. And it was what everybody was saying. But do you know what he said to his team? When we are going to this town, we have to expect great things. Why? Because the harvest is ready. The harvest is big in this town. And, and they are so open. And it was what he was saying. Was he telling a lie? No. He was telling the truth. The other people was the one who was telling a lie. And do you know what happened? Those people had faith. They expected that what he says was the truth. So they came to that city expecting great things to happen. And do you know what happened? Great things. Many people got saved. 
heal, set free, baptize. And all the pastors and ministries in Poland, they were like, whoa, can that happen in this city? Yes, it can. Why? Because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is white. The harvest is ready for harvest. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is that our eyes is closed. And this is so important truth what Jesus is saying here. And I curse you to read on this. Go in, read John 4, what he's saying there. And meditate on that and these words because it can change your life. It has changed my life. And it has changed many other people's life. And this is some of the things I always preach about. Share when I'm out. Why? Because people need to get their eyes open so they can see the harvest the way Jesus sees the harvest. So people can get saved. So the harvest is not the problem. The harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful. There is one thing I want to say. Jesus also is saying, not, not there, but he's saying another place. He's saying this, that we have all power and anointing. This is what Jesus is saying. Because in Matthew 28, when Jesus sent his disciple out and sent you and me out, he says, I have all power in heaven and earth. After he has said he has all power in heaven and earth, he says, go out. Go therefore out. Because we have all power in heaven and earth by the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. There is only one Holy Spirit. And we have it, we have it all. We have Him, we have it. It's not like we need more. When we have it, we have what we need. So we have all power and anointing. We, only, we don't, do not only have a little power and a little anointing. Why? Because we have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit and Jesus have it all. That's why He's saying, I have all power in heaven and earth. Go therefore out. I want to say, if Jesus has all power in heaven and earth, how much power do Satan have? If Jesus has it all, how much power is there left for Satan? None. So, power is not the problem. Jesus has it all, and it has been given to us through the Holy Spirit. But what do we say in the church? Oh, we need more power and anointing. And this is so opposite what Jesus is saying. And I grow up, when I got saved, I got saved into a church, denomination church, where they were talking about anointing all the time. The man of God anointing. And, and, and I was coming to meeting after meeting and they prayed for me to receive more anointing. And people today are still waiting for more anointing. But come on, we, we have it all through Jesus Christ. The power is not the problem. Again, the problem is that our eyes is closed. We don't see the harvest the way we, we should see it. And we don't see what we have in Jesus Christ. 
Of course we should be filled by the Spirit, but filled by the Spirit is not coming by coming from conference to conference and getting somebody to lay their hands on you. Getting filled by the Holy Spirit is coming by giving. Because where should the filling come from? From our innermost being is going to run out like living water. And I just see that that Satan have so much deceived the church in this. Because the church today is saying, oh, the harvest is tiny and it's not ready and, and we need more power and anointing. Where Jesus is saying the opposite. He's saying that the harvest is ready, the harvest is plentiful. He's saying that. And this is good news. This is good news. He's saying we have all power and anointing. This is good news. Try to imagine a farmer who's looking over the harvest this year. And he see the harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful. What do he think? He say, think, yes. Come on, he's happy. What do they do then? Do they just sit down and drink coffee? No. Do they wait there in the barn for the harvest to come in? No. What do they do when they see the harvest is ready and plentiful? They stand up, go out and take the harvest in. They go out in the harvest. And this is the problem we have today. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is not that we need more power and anointing. Yeah, no, the church is saying that, but this is wrong. The problem is the workers. This is the next thing Jesus is saying. The workers are the problem. We are the problem. The problem are the workers. Because after Jesus said, the harvest is ready, he said, but the workers are few. So the workers are the problem. But what do I hear people say in the churches? No, it's not up to us, but to God. So we have a mindset where, no, it's not up to God. It's up to it's up to us. It's up to God. We just wait in the church. And then the harvest somehow shall come in. So we are waiting for the harvest to come in. We are thinking if God wants to save people, he do it. But where do you read that in the Bible? God has paid the price for everybody to get saved. The harvest is ready, but the workers are few. We need to go out. Go out in the harvest. We are going to continue after Jesus is saying that the harvest is ready. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. He says this, Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Jesus is saying, Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Why? Because the workers is the problem. Not the anointing, not that we lack power, not that, that the harvest is re- not ready. The harvest is ready. The workers are the problem. It's not that there is no workers, but the workers are sitting in the barn and drinking coffee. The workers are not out in the harvest. So Jesus is saying to us, pray the Lord of the harvest to send 
outwork us. And when talk about sent out, the word sent there is the same word in Greek that's come from the word uh, set free, delivered. Um, like when you read that Jesus is casting out demons, when demons are leaving a person, this is the same word. And you know that it's not always a demon want to leave. You have to go. You have to go. No. Come out in name of Jesus. And then they have to go. And in the end they leave. The same way we need to be sent out. We need to be driven out. Where? From our comfort zone. From our churches. We need to be driven out. Out there where people are. And now I'm not talking only about going out on the street. I'm talking about being where people are. I was to a birthday party two days ago. 17 years birthday party. They invited a guy who got saved some years ago. His family were not Christian. And they invited me and my wife to come and have a mini worship meeting in the birthday party. Because he wanted his family to get saved. And I talked with boldness about... Uh, getting born again and it was a good day because we are at a 17 years birthday party and that day it was the 5th of April and it was exactly 19 years after I got saved so I was talking about getting born again talking about spiritual birthdays and afterward Lena sing a song and I I, I did one uh, and then I talk about um, talk about uh, knowing God and Lena sing one more song and then we prayed for people. We took one people out, prayed for one who got healed in front of everybody. And then I said to them, anybody who want prayer, come and talk to me and I'll pray for you afterwards. And we started to eat at this birthday party. And it was like really beautiful place and 40 people were scattered. There was maybe 10 Christians, 12 Christians. The rest was not Christians. And you can hear in their songs and what they were saying that they were not so happy for that the father or grandfather or brother have got saved because, uh, yeah, they didn't understand it. But then somebody came and said, we are five people who want to get prayed for. So we went to a room and there came more in. So suddenly there was 10 people who were not Christian there. And I prayed and one got healed and one more got healed and one, one got set free and Holy Spirit came over her and she was healing her body. And, and I prayed for one where there was a deliverance and she fall almost down and Lena and me hold her and pray for the demon to leave her and she started to cry. And it was so strong in that room amongst non-believers. And when I looked around afterward, I could see more people was crying. Why? Because it was so strong. They have never seen anything like that. And we got the chance to share the gospel to them again. And this family are not going to be the same again. Why? The harvest is ready. So I'm not talking only about going out on the street. I'm talking about being out there where people are. It can be to a wedding. It can be to a birthday party. It can be to a, in a shop. Let's be amongst people and see the harvest coming. But look what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And look what we are saying in the churches today. Let's pray for the harvest that it may enter the church. It's not exactly those words, but we are not praying the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. No, instead we are praying for the harvest. 
I have been at many prayer meetings, and again and again they are praying for the harvest. Praying for the harvest like the harvest is the problem. The harvest is not the problem. The problem is the workers. So instead of praying for the harvest, let's pray according to the will of God. Because when we pray according to the will of God, we know that we have already received what we prayed for. And the Bible don't say that we shall pray for the harvest. And there is something today they're calling Luke 10 to virus. I want to tell about that. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying in Luke chapter 10 verse 2. And many people today start to do something. They start to set the llama clock or the uh, telephone to 2 minutes over 10 in the morning and 2 minutes over 10 in the evening. And each time the alarm is going off, ding, 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 they think of Luke 10 too. And then they pray, God, I pray the Lord of the harvest. God, I pray to you that you will send out workers to the harvest. So each day in the morning, in the evening, they pray for God to send our workers to the harvest. I encourage you to do that. I'm praying every day that God would send out workers to the harvest. And I have seen a change now. Denmark is changing now. We see so much, many more people out in the harvest now than we did one year ago. And you can see it in Denmark. It's like everybody is talking about in Denmark in the church that something is changed in the church. And I believe it has to do with this truth. When we start to pray according to God's will, we know that we have received what we pray for. And God has said, pray that the Lord would send out workers to the harvest. So do that every day. Take your telephone, put it in. Two minutes, two minutes over 10 in the morning, two minutes over 10 in the evening. And each time it's going out, you're starting, oh, yes, God, I pray that you're going to send people out. Send people out to the harvest. And it's going to not change only people who's going to send out. It's going to change you also. Because when you start to pray that, you're going to get a seal for people like never before. And you know it's not enough to just pray. You also need to do something. So I encourage you to do this. It's so interesting also because he called us to pray that the Lord will send people out to the harvest. But we pray for the harvest to come into the church. I want to show a picture. Try to imagine a lot lot of farmers who are standing there. And they looked out and they saw, whoa, the harvest is ready. The harvest is big this year. But they were standing in the barn and they were waiting there in the barn for the harvest to come in. And they didn't understand why would the harvest not come in if the harvest is ready. Oh, let's pray. Oh, God, we pray for the harvest to come in. God, pray that you will take the harvest and send the harvest in here to us. To be honest, how effective do you believe that prayer is? I don't believe this is an effective prayer. I don't see this is a prayer according to God's words. Pray for the harvest to come in. No, the harvest is not the problem. But the harvest can also not move. The harvest cannot stand up and walk. The harvest is standing there and need us as the workers to come out. And get it. 
But what do we do? We don't understand why the harvest don't want to go in the church. So we think, oh, maybe it's because the, the barn, the church is dirty. Let's clean it. So we clean the church, we get a new carpet, and we make the barn very nice. And then we say, now, now the barn is clean, now it's very nice, come on, harvest coming. And the harvest still, do, still not move, so we don't understand it. So we think, ah, now I know it. So we put in the barn nice light around, and we put some music on, some soft worship music, like, mm, and it's so nice, and, and warm, and cozy, and oh, it's so nice in the barn. So now the harvest wants to get in. No. The harvest don't want to get in. The harvest cannot get in. The harvest is not able to get in. We need to go out. And when you see this picture, we see how far we have come away from what Jesus has called us to. Many churches today focus so much on the building staff program and everything and are waiting there for the harvest to come in. And then we think maybe if we paint the church, maybe if we put a new window in the church, maybe we have better pews in the church, then the, church want, then the harvest wants to come in. No, we are called to go out to the harvest. But after Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send or to drive out workers into the harvest. He continues and he says, go, I'm sending you as lamb and one wolf. He didn't only say pray. The next thing he say after he have said pray, go. I send you out a lambs among wolves. And this is also so opposite. Jesus, I send you as lamb among wolves. This is what Jesus is saying. What do we do? We say, better to be in the churches far away from the wolf. So we are doing the opposite again of what Jesus is saying. Try to imagine us as a farmer who have a small lamb. And there are these big, big wolf. And when they see the lamb, they just see, see meat. Hungry. Wolf eat the lamb. Ah. They are so hungry. And there we have the sweet, the shepherd, good shepherd with the lamb. No. And he take the sweet little lamb. And then he say, look lamb, I sent you out among wolf. This is what Jesus did. But we do the opposite. We don't know that persecution is a good thing. In Mark 4, you read the man who saw, about the man who saw the seed. The sun is shining. And when you read that parable in Mark 4, you see that the sun is persecution. And the persecution is what is showing what there is in people's hearts. If they are truly born again and live with God, they are not going to fall away. They are going to fall on their knee and cry out to God, and then they are going to grow. So persecution is helping us to see if this is a truly a person who has repented and are starting a new life, or if this is only shadow repentance. If this is only outside repentance. 
So the sun is important. Persecution is important. And you can read that in Mark 4. But Jesus sent his lamb out among wolves. And I want to say, what good shepherd in his right mind would take his sweet, sweet little lamb and send them out among wolves? Which shepherd would do that? The good shepherd who's going with the lamb. And this is what Jesus is going. He not only says, see, I sent you. I sent everybody out as lamb among wolves. He's saying, go out and I am with you to the end of the age. This is what he said in Matthew 28. Go out and I am with you. When are we going to see that he's with us? When we go out. When we are out there, we will see that he is faithful. But many people are still waiting inside the box and don't understand why they don't see God work in their everyday life. Why they don't see that Jesus is with them. Because they don't need, they need to go out and obey Jesus. Do what he has called us to. But it's so important what Jesus is saying here. Because we have a gospel today where we are not radicalizing repentance and those things. And we can think, oh, look, churches are still growing. But it's only growing. The American gospel, as I call it, the feel-good gospel, your best life now gospel, is only growing now because there is no persecution. But the day the persecution is going to come on, the, the sun is going to shine, you're going to see that Many, many, many people are going to fall away. Why? Because they have really not had a deep repentance. They have not understood the whole gospel. When I got saved, the first thing I experienced was my, my, I, I, I came to my job as a beggar. And there was so much against it. So I lost my job. My brother didn't talk with me many months. My father said, Tom, I'm ashamed. What would people not say about us? That our son had become crazy. I didn't have one family member who was Christian. And I lost. Everything was just against me. But I knew one thing. I needed fellowship with others. I needed to continue in Christ. So I was taking my bicycle and, 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 and in the evening just to be together with other people. Just to be together with God. Because it was so important for me. And yes, my father is safe now and some, God has done a lot of things in our family. But I experienced a persecution, but nothing could keep me away. Why? Because I had something inside of me. I have the seal of God, the new beginning. So persecution I experienced in the beginning was hard. It was hard. And sometimes I was almost thinking of giving up because everybody was against me. But the persecution did. That instead of giving up, I grow a lot. I took time spending with God. I was out there among wolves all the time. On my work job, every place I was. Amongst my old friends. But I grow a lot. And I didn't compromise. And this is what Jesus is saying Go out, I send you out as lamb among wolf. If we just stop here, you are going to see that it's so different from the church today. 
Jesus is saying the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is not the problem. The harvest is ready for harvest. Don't wait for a month. Don't say you have to go one or two years. It's ready today. The harvest is not the problem. We have all power in heaven on earth. This is the word of the problem. So pray the Lord of the harvest to drive out workers to the harvest. And after you have said to pray that, he said, go out. Go out yourself. Go out among as lamb among wolf, and you will see I'm with you to the end of the age. This is what Jesus is saying. What do we say in church? Oh, the harvest is tiny and uh, it's not ready. Especially in our city. No, no. In our city and our country. No, no, no. We have heard testimony from this city or this country, but here, no. No, we also need more power and anointing. We are not ready yet. No, no, no. We need more. We are not ready. And I'm like, if you're not ready and you need more and there's not more to get, you're never going to get ready. Can you see that? People are waiting for something they already have. We are not ready. And then we are saying, no, it's up to God. It's not up to us. If God wants to save people, he do it. And um, But let's pray. Let's pray for the harvest to come into the church. And we pray for the harvest to come in the church. And when people are getting saved, we have to, ah, no, no, come now. Now you stay in the church. Don't go out in this world. It's dangerous. And we put people in a box in a church far away from their friends and neighbors. And because of that, we only see one safe here and one safe there and one safe there. Instead of, instead of whole ne- household get saved. Instead of families get saved. Instead of friends and a lot of people get saved. And when I started to work the way Jesus have called us to, I did not only see one safe here and one safe there. I saw one safe there become five. One safe there became ten. One safe there became twenty. Why? Because we continue out there amongst people. I hope you love it. I'm excited about this. And he's continue. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anybody on the road. So Jesus is saying that we should not take purse and bag and sandals with us. What he's saying is go and God will provide our needs. This is what Jesus is saying. He said go and God will provide our needs. What do we say? Wait until we have enough money. So we see, we say that we need to wait, but Jesus said, go. God will provide our needs. I want to say that we, money is a big problem in the churches today. And everything is somehow controlled by money. And the churches today is wrong many places as companies instead of as a living body. And I have a ch- two chapters about that in my book, The Last Reformation. And I want to say that I was also really dependent on money in the beginning. I, was, I had the old mindset. So when I started to do ministry, I was thinking, I need a church to invite me to take care of my needs. I, 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 it, it costs money to take the car, to have a car. It costs money to take a plane. So I needed a church to provide. And because of that, I was so dependent on an invitation from a pastor or a church. 
But when I start to see the way Jesus was working, I see that, whoa, God is providing our needs when we work in the harvest. When we go out and work, God is providing. Why? Because he paid for the work. Everybody who's working in the kingdom is getting paid, the Bible says. And I have many times, again and again and again and again, because we live in, like Faith Mia's family, we don't have a other job right now. So what we are doing is we are totally dependent on God. And I've again and again taken our visa card and said, okay, let's take this ticket. And I use all our money. So when we are going out, I didn't know how to pay the house rent when I came home. I didn't know how to do the next month. But I, again and again have I experienced that God is faithful. Sometimes money is laying in the mailbox. Other times I'm out, people meeting God and they're just giving me some money. So I can see that God is providing for our needs. And this is so important that we need, uh, that we come in and learn to live in faith to God when it comes to our needs. It's hard. Sometimes we have been standing there and often we are standing there, to be honest, because we don't know what is going to happen next month. We are living day by day. But Jesus wants us to be dependent on him. And I believe this is something we all need to learn by take step in faith when it comes to providing our needs. That God provide our needs. Because today we also say that the harvest is great but the workers don't have time. Why? Because they need to work a lot. Or they want to have everything in this world. They want to have a big house, a big car, and want to live for a lot of money. And because they need all those things, they don't have time to be out in the harvest. And this is also something we need. God provides for our needs, but it's not like, hey, I just buy this house or buy this car and just do that. No, we need to take everything and give it to him. And then say, God, is this what you want us to have? Is this how you want us to live? And I think it's so important to come in there. And today, the way we live today, I can share many testimonies. I can just share one testimony. Short time ago, we friend God spoke to us that we are going out to a Bible camp because we, yeah, to be there and meet some people there. And we packed and we did ready. The only problem, like many other times, is that we didn't have money for it. Two days before we were going to go there, the telephone called and somebody asked me, how are you, Tom? I'm fine. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm fine. But, but I've been thinking of you. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. And I said, hey, I'm going to this camp. You also going there? Yes. Okay, let's meet and talk there. Okay, bye-bye. But 10 minutes later, she called again. How are you, Tom? I told you I'm fine. Yeah, but there is something, Tom. I, there is something. I don't know what it is. Do you have problems? And I say, always, always problems. <laughs> we always have some kind of problems. And he said, but, but what is it? I, I said, I don't know. Do you have money? God provide. Ah, do you have money to go to the camp? Yeah. Ah, I knew there was something, she said. I knew there was something. Tom, I'm going to pay you to stay there and you're going to get $200 for me when I come there and when you come there so you have for food during the week. And then she put the telephone on and, whoa, 
And I went into Lene. Lene, now we have the money. Let's go. We have again and again and again experienced that. That God provides for our needs. We stand there. We don't know how to do, do it. We don't know what to do afterwards. We don't have the money. But God is providing for our needs. Why? Because this is what he's saying. Go. God will provide your needs. And we are not dependent on what we have money for. We are dependent on where God wants to send us. And this is also something he's saying. And then he continues, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If there is a person of peace there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. So Jesus is going to say, go out and he's saying, go to a house. If you find a person of peace, he's talking about finding a person of peace. Find a person of peace. This is what Jesus is saying. Do you know what we are saying in the church today? We are saying, what is a person of peace? Because we have never heard that. And this has been one of the biggest revelations I have got the last years. And it has changed so many lives. And changed the whole way we are doing church today and thinking. I'm looking all the time now for the person of peace. And I found find them all the time, right? Why? Because I know what I'm looking for. If you don't know what you're looking for, there is not big chances to find it. But when you know what you're looking for, when your eyes is over, open, that the harvest is ready, that there is person of peace every place, then you're going to find it. All the places. And this is the way the first church worked. This is how Jesus had called us to work. What is a person of peace? A person of peace is somebody where God is working in their life. Where God is preparing their hearts to receive. You can take the woman at the well in John chapter 4. She was a person of peace. In the beginning, she started to discuss with Jesus. But at the same time, God was stealing in her heart. Something was happening. And she became a door opener to the whole area, to Samaria. And this is what we see. We see that, that one person opened the door to many persons. And out of one person, we get suddenly contact to a whole city, a whole neighborhood, a whole household. And this is a personal piece. And I'm going to talk much more about that next time. But I just want to come with some examples of personal peace in the Bible. Book of Acts chapter 16. You read that Paul, they were out speaking and they were worshiping God. And the Lord opened the heart of a woman called Lydia. And God opened her heart to the message of Paul. And Lydia, she opened her house afterwards and took Paul and those in and her whole household got saved. And there they started a church. And Lydia, she was a woman who had a job where she had a lot of money. So she could also provide for Paul's 
and their needs. So they can travel from there to the next place. And this was how the first church was growing. Jesus sent them out and they found person of peace. And the, 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 um, God provide through the harvest. The, what we need is out there in the harvest. Another place is, is uh, the jailer in the chapter 16. One guy, he opened his household again and the whole household got saved. Cornelius and his house. Personal peace can also do with healing where people meet God and it opens up a big area for the gospel. Uh, in the last chapter in the book of Acts, where Paul came to Malta, he came there and uh, he met Publius. And Publius, he was the chief officer at the island. And his father was sick. And his father got healed. And when that happened, you read that the rest of the sick of the island came and got healed. So Paul started to meet Publius. And his father was sick. When he got healed, the rest of the island came and got healed. Why? Because he was the door opener to that area. And next time I'm going to speak a lot about all of those things and especially the person piece. And next time I want to be more practical. I want to show you how I'm working with this and how you can work with this. I'm going to talk about personal peace with living today. I have a person piece called Dorte, Tommy, Lisa Lotte, Ronald. Some of my friends, this is personal peace I have met. And out of those persons, many people have got saved. And I'm going to tell about that next time where I'm going to share how I use this in my everyday life. The next thing Jesus is saying is stay in their house, eat and drink whatever they give you. For a worker deserves their wages. Do not move from house to house. This is what Jesus said. When you go out, God will provide you needs. When you find a person of peace, Jesus say, stay in their house and eat what they serve. This is what Jesus said. Don't go from house to house. Don't be in a hurry to go to the next. It's not about just going out and evangelizing. It's getting people saved, building a church, seeing disciples. And I want to say that I know many is getting encouraged when it comes to evangelizing and praying for sick people. And we need to do this. But we need to work the way Jesus doing. Not just go out and pray and share the gospel. And when somebody's open, get them to pray Jesus into your heart. Because you don't find that in the Bible. And then go to the next. No. You need to, when you find a person who's open for the gospel. It can be on the street. It can be on your work. It can be... In, your, in a shop where you find a person peace, then be there, work with them, make disciples, stay in their house. What do we do when we find a person peace, a person who's open? We invite them to the church on Sunday. But we need to start to invite people in the church on Sunday. One of the big difference with the churches today compared to that time, I had that in my book, The Last Reformation, is that the church is not a mission place where we invite people to come to get saved. 
Because if we want to invite a lot of non-Christians to the church all the time, we need to compromise with what we are doing, praying in tongues and doing other things because they don't understand it. And because of that, we have churches today where we don't talk about sin, hell, the cross, speaking in tongues because we don't want to invent them. We don't talk about many other things. No, the church is a gathering of believers who come together and make disciples. And those disciples are getting equipped to go out in the harvest in everyday life and there out people are getting saved, baptized in water, set free, healed. And then they come together with us after they have got saved. Because now they know what it is to speak in tongues. Now they know what it is to do the things we are doing because they are brothers, they are saved. Now they can take part of communing because communing is for believers and not for non-believers. But the church today have changed so much, so now the church has become a place where people come and hear the gospel. And because of that, we compromise and we don't make disciples. And because we don't make disciples, people don't know how to go out and get people saved. And it's like going down and down and down and down. So we need to start and do the way Jesus is doing, make disciples, equipping people when we are together and send people out in everyday life. And a good thing with staying in their house is that when you are in their house, it's so easy to meet friends and family because they have been in their house many times. And for them to come in their house one more time is not a big step. But if you invite them in church on Sunday, it's like a big step. They've never been there before. And I have many testimonies where we have tried to invite people in the church, but they don't want to go to church. But when we say, can you come to my house or can you come to your friend's house tomorrow? I'm going to come and talk with them and share the gospel. They are all coming. Why? Because it's not a big step to come in a house you have been many times before. And when I started to do this instead of this, I started to see more people get saved. Because now there's not only one here and one there and one there get saved. Now that one became 5 and 10 and 20. So this is what Jesus have called us to. Stay in their house, eat and drink what they serve. The next thing Jesus is saying is heal the sick and preach the gospel. This is what Jesus have called us to. Go out, find a person, peace, heal the sick, preach the gospel. What do we say? We say preach the gospel and perhaps pray for the sick. But Jesus have called us to preach and heal and preach, preach and heal. And here he's saying heal first and preach afterwards. I don't find any place in the Bible where he have only somehow command us to only preach. Jesus did not only die from our sin, he took the punishment from our sickness. So we are called to do those two things. And I'm talking about that when I'm talking about priests and heal and kickstart your Christian life. So this is an important thing Jesus have called us to. The next thing I've never heard anybody talk about also. But this is so important. This is something the church really needs to understand. Jesus is saying, but when you enter a town and are not welcome. So if you come to somebody and are not welcome, then 
He said, go out to the street and say, even the dust of the town, we whip out of our feet as a warning to you. So go out, take the dust off your hands and feet. This is what Jesus is saying. Bust the dust off and move to the next one. This is what Jesus is saying. What do we say when we find somebody who's not open and will not receive our message? We continue year after year until they are ready. And this is so important what this what Jesus is saying here. When you find somebody who will not receive your message when you are not welcome, take your dust off your hands and feet. Go to the next. And you read in the book of Acts that Paul did that. The first disciples did it. And I want to say because what Jesus is saying here was not only for the twelve. Not only for the seventy. It's for you and me. Paul was not listening to Jesus' sermon at that time. Because Paul was not saved at that time. But Paul still did, the way, did it the way Jesus did it. Why? Because what Jesus told those disciples, he said in Matthew 28, go out, make disciples, other people, learning them to obey everything I've commanded. What have he commanded? He have commanded this. So somebody learned somebody to do it, and they learned Ananias to do it, and Paul got said to Ananias, and Ananias learned Paul to do it, and then Paul did it, and he's teaching others to do the same, and so on, and so on, and so on. And they did it. When somebody did not receive the message, they took the dust off their hands and feet and go to the next one. And it's so important, because what we do today we, when we meet somebody who's not ready to receive the message, we went, wait and wait and wait five, ten years. And during that time, we are not doing anything else because we are thinking we are evangelizing. Why? Because we have five couples, ten people we are working on. And we can be working on people for many years, but with, if the Holy Spirit is not working, you can work and work and nothing is happening. So instead of continue working with those people who don't want it, you should have used your time to go to the next or the next or the next. Because when you go to the next and next, suddenly you find the person of peace. But we don't find a personal peace because we don't have time. Because we are using all our time on the wrong people who don't want it. Who only want to discuss with us. Who don't want to receive our message. And it's so important. I'm also going to talk about next time. I many times stand in front of people who not receive our message. So I take it. They like this. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. And then I found the next one who was open. And received. I had not found that person if I spent all my time on this person. But now I found this one. Later, I have come back to this person again. And there that person was ready to receive. Why? Because there the Holy Spirit had a time dealing in that person's heart. So this is what Jesus is saying. And next time I'm going to be more practical. I'm going to... Go through this again, but show how this is working in everyday life. How I, I'm doing this in Denmark. 
2014. How this is not only for Israel, it's not only 2000 years ago, this is the same today. Because these have not changed. And this is the calling. And this is the platform everybody can use. Because there is person of peace in your life God wants you to reach. I cannot reach them because I'm not in their life. But you are in their life. And you can reach them. And you have to do it because God has set you there to do it. And it's so important we know how the church works and how Jesus have called us to do things. I just very short want to go through this again and then I want to end up. What do we say in the churches today? We say that the harvest is tiny, the harvest is not ready. So maybe next year, maybe 2020, yes, there we are going to see a revival. We are saying... Um, we are not ready also. We need more anointing, more power. So let's have a conference. Let's have some meetings where somebody can lay their hands on us to read, read more, to, to take more anointing and power over our life. We say it's not up to us, it's up to God. We say that let's pray for the harvest to come in in the church. We say that people should be in the church away from the wolf. We say that we need to wait because we don't have money. We say what is a personal peace. We say let's go out and invite people to church on Sunday. We say let's preach and maybe pray for people. And we continue year after year with the people who's not open for the gospel. And then we don't understand why nothing is happening around the churches. Things are not happening because we are not doing what we are supposed to do. We are not obeying Jesus. We call him Lord, but we are not seeing what he's saying. We don't understand this. But as soon as we understand what Jesus is saying here, it's going to change our life. It has changed my life. It has changed the fruits I'm seeing. And it's changing the people who's receiving this message. Because God is faithful. And when they start to do what Jesus has called them to, they are seeing amazing things. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying the harvest is plentiful. The harvest in your city is plentiful. The harvest in your country is plentiful. And it's ready. The harvest is never going to change. Change. The harvest is ready for you. It's you who have to change. It's you who have to open your eyes. The harvest is ready. You have to see that the harvest is ready. You have to understand it. And you have to understand that you, ha if you have the Holy Spirit, are you baptized with the Holy Spirit? You have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore, you have everything you need. The harvest is not the problem. The power is not the problem. The workers are the problem. But the good news is also that we can do something about that <laughs> by be becoming a worker in the kingdom of God. Becoming a worker in the harvest. And we can start by praying the Lord, the God, Lord of the harvest. Praying God to send workers out to the harvest. Don't pray for the harvest. Do it as a thing of your life. Every morning, two minutes past ten. Every evening, two minutes past ten. Look ten two wires. Do it. Set the alarm, alarm clock on. 
do do it, and then pray this prayer, and talk to other people about it, and get other people to pray, and let this virus spread all over the world. So suddenly, the whole body of Christ is praying every morning, every evening, for the Lord to send out workers. Because when we pray that, we are going to see amazing things. After he have said that, he sent us out. He not only said pray, but then he said go. And he sent us out as lamb among wolves. But out there among wolves, we can be secure. We are safe. Safe. Why? Because he's going with us. He's saying in Matthew 28, go out and see I'm with you. Out there we are safe. Why? Because the good shepherd is going with the lambs. He is with us. So we don't we should not be afraid for the wolf because he is with us. And he said, Go and he will provide our needs. God will provide our needs. So be not dependent on this. Go. But sometimes you start to use what you have. Use what you have. Saw it in the harvest. Take your money instead of just having them on bank account. Use it to go out in the harvest. Use it to send people out in the harvest. We can do a different when we use what God has given us for the harvest. So the money is not a problem because God provides. Find a personal peace. And I'm going to talk about who a personal peace are and help you along with that next time. And when we find a personal peace, stay in their house. Sit on a coffee table. Eat and drink with them. And share the gospel as I told. Share the gospel. And when people are ready, then baptize them in the bathtub. Baptize with the Holy Spirit and then share the same to them and say, who do you know in your family amongst your friends who is a person of peace, who's open for the gospel? Then invite them to your house and I can talk with them also. And out of that house, you see new things grow and you see new things grow, a new house and it's grown and it's grown and it's grown like this. And this was how the first church was growing and starting before everything be, started to become a system through the Catholic Church. It was not growing inside, it was multiplicating outside. Instead of having one big church with mo- thousand members, there was like thousand small churches with ten people who gathered together. And it grew all the time and all the time and all the time. Stay in their house, eat and drink what they serve. Heal the sick and preach the gospel. And when you meet somebody who will not receive the message, take the dust off your hands and feet and go to the next. Don't take it personally. Don't go down and say, oh, no. Find the next. Because there's always one more out there who's open. So maybe you find the first five who's not open. Don't stop because number six is a personal peace. Number seven is a personal peace. And maybe it's going to lead you to many other persons. One person can lead you to other person who can lead you to other person who can open a lot of amazing doors. I'm going to share a testimony next time. I met one girl who was a person of peace who got saved. And that girl, 
after I heard 10 people got saved and I, in one year I married three family members and I got to know the whole family and they are my friends and my family now and God had done amazing things out of that small quiet girl. Because it don't have to be super evangelist, it just have to find the right person and go in their house and eat and drink what they serve. And then take the dust off your hands and feet, as I said, if they will not receive the message. This is what I was going to talk about this time. And I believe that this is, have been an eye-opener for many of you, especially when you see the contracts between what Jesus says and what we are saying today. Do you want to build on a man's vision, on a man's idea, or want to build on Jesus' vision and what he has called you to? And when we do what Jesus called us to, we are going to see our amazing growth. It's going to spread. It's going to grow. Why? Because why not do what Jesus is blessing instead of trying him to bless what we are doing? This is what he wants to do. This is how the Holy Spirit is working today. Next time, I'm going to go through this again and I'm going to be more practical. I'm going to talk more about it and how it's working. And I believe it's going to help you even more to take off the religious glasses to see what Jesus wants us to do. And come in and experience this everyday life. And remember, in this platform, you don't need to have a theology education. You don't need to be a pastor in a church. You don't need to be a man or you this is for men, for women, for young, for old. People without education, people without it's for everybody because in the body of Christ it's not only ten percent, it's not only the evangelists or the prophet or the teachers who's working. It's for everybody, every disciple. And I'm going to pray now and my wife is going to sing a song. God, I thank you for this message. Jesus, you have given us here in details how you want us to work. And I pray that you will open our eyes to see this and act on this. Thank you, Jesus, because you are going to send workers out to the harvest. I'm praying for everybody who's seen this video that they will become a worker in your harvest, Jesus. I pray that you will send them out. You will reveal this word to them and you will send them out and they will bear much fruit and they will see that you are with them to the end of the age. Jesus, I thank you for your word and pray that you with your Holy Spirit would work in the hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I look forward to next time. Um, I'm going to Turkey before. Uh, I'm going to go there in a few days. First time in a Muslim country to do mission the way we are doing it. And this is also working in Turkey. This is working in every country. So I look forward to go to Turkey and teach this and show them how to work and see the kingdom of God grow in Turkey. But because of that, that's going to go some weeks before the next lesson is ready. But I look forward to it already. So God bless you.
trust in me. Hello.